Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Nakama Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz, and I'm here joined with my regular co-host. Uh, so. But, so. To- <laughs> but today we do have on a returning guest, uh, X from Sacred Ape. Yo, 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 what's up? How's it going? Uh, so what have you been up to since the last time you were on? I know last time uh, you were on, I wasn't on. Right. Bro, we forgot to introduce Peralta. Oh, you know what? Her absence here made me forget her. How could you forget the best co-host? <laughs> The enthusiasm in your voice sounds authentic. <laughs> she started as just a regular guest and then just got the same with her sister. Her sister's getting sucked in. Yeah. Really? Peralta yeah. was very much just like, oh, she's a guest. And then she's a guest and then she's a guest. And at a certain point, it became like she's just a part of this now. And her yeah. sister, uh, who we had on as a guest um, because she's a writer. Well, she came back and then she came back again. And then she she did help us with the live panels that we did at Fanime. And uh, she's maybe like one more guest spot away from us being like, I guess she's a part of it now. <laughs> yeah, I know last time I hated the same thing with the unofficial but official. Yeah. She didn't say no. She didn't say no. <laughs> so unofficial but official, mm-hmm. never saying no but never saying yes, works yeah. in podcasts but yeah. not in relationships. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just making I sure. Mean, I guess it could if you're just banging. Well, in case any of us bang, I would like to keep that in mind. So oh, there I appreciate you go, yeah. that. Um, to answer your question, I have been good. The shop has been good. Uh, we have been good. We have hired two new people. Uh, anybody that knows Intergalactic Imports over at Del Monte Mall. We now have Chris, a.k.a. Dadpool, that mm-hmm. uh, works with us part time. Uh, we do have Edwin, uh, big uh, Uwu Edwin, as we call him, or in the hood, <laughs> big woo. Uh, he works with us now full time. And then we do have Mondo, a.k.a. Biff, that uh, tattoos with us. So it's been moving forward. We actually are just about to shut down again for two months. We are finally finishing building everything out. We have all our new anime accounts. We have uh, more officially carrying Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, all that. But we are 18 plus only now. And that'll be an interesting thing, but it's it's. It's a thing that has to do with the county and the city as well yeah. as our decision. We are not for kids. You can, if you have a kid, they're more than enough welcome to come. We will make them feel comfortable, but you know, we want to show berserk on our TV screens. Yeah. You want to show more adult stuff. This is stuff for our age range. Yeah. We do have a tremendous amount of people who have kids and want to bring them here. But I feel like if you want family and friendly, you go to intergalactic or you go to current comics. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to have something where you can go and play tournaments that is a little bit more all ages, then you probably want to go to, um, green potion in Salinas, you know, or mythical. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great choices in our area and outside. And I, I'm, we're always about making sure those places are brought up because we are kind of like the cheers of tattoo shops. Yeah. Of comic book shops. We mm-hmm. like people come in and just kind of fuck off and hang out. You know, we're like the, what was it? The, what was that island in uh, Pinocchio where everybody turns into a jackass? I Dude. don't remember the name yeah, of it, I mean, but, but you know what I'm talking about. about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much us. We're a bunch of burros. <laughs> but, yeah. We've been all right. How have you guys been since the new year? I think we just had guests. I think the only other thing we were doing is the anime awards. We saw game awards. Yeah. Like, we should rip that off. hundred <laughs> percent. We should rip that off. I feel like we're all getting to have the clubhouses and the projects that we wanted when we were young. We yeah. never had the opportunity of doing that, you know? Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a different time. We've been talking about this for a while, but the hardest thing, especially like I went to Salinas for the first time in a, a long time to go to, uh, what are they called? It's across from the bearded bean, um, the bookstore. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they're a super nice guy. The dude ordered us a shitload of our favorite pencils that we use for our animation stuff or studies. And, um, you know, it, there was a time when we were growing up 
that you did have small scenes, music, art, comics, but everyone mm-hmm. was like, stick to you, we'll stick to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And I think breaking that cycle to try to like meet each other and encourage that there's more than just clicks. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? How ironic that like we want to fight gang violence, but we have gang mentality when it comes to like, fuck you, I like the heart <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> fuck Digimon. <laughs> so no, I would absolutely love to see what you guys are doing. And yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out off air and go from there. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So um I know you, we were talking briefly off mic about uh my cousin came over last night to talk to my wife and about some stuff and he had mentioned about Funimation and Crunchyroll. Something mm-hmm. happened with that. Yeah. What's going on like with that? A year and a half ago, almost two. Okay. Crunchyroll just bought Funimation. Yeah. In fact, the, the purchase of that was announced, I don't know, maybe the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it uh, 2021, it was announced maybe about halfway through 2021, around June, July, uh, that the purchase was going through. They, you know, Funimation was going to essentially become just a, part of Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. And then they had announced that Funimation's library was going to cross over into Crunchyrolls and that was going to be like the start of Funimation sort of not existing anymore yeah. as mm-hmm. a service. And then here we are 2 years later yeah, and they've they've almost made no forward progress past this step of we're taking what they have as a library. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even take everything they have as a library. They they moved some over and I, I just I wonder what's going on with that, if it's some sort of hesitation internally for some reason, or if maybe they did run into some sort of legal roadblock that meant that they couldn't just buy it and delete it. Right. But um, yeah, for some reason, it's still going. Yeah. I, it's still going. It still costs the same amount to, to use it. And the only thing is, I don't see really any benefit to having Funimation unless you know, you're really a fan of a particular old anime that they're the only ones that carry still. I was trying to show my wife because my wife is all she's the main anime watcher. Mm-hmm. And so we've been watching like we're right now we're on like Welcome to Demon School at Irma-kun. Mm-hmm. That one's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, uh, Devil's part timer. You know, she's getting me into more of the comedy stuff and the slice of life where I've never been a guy that likes anything happy. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I came out of the womb fucking ornery as fuck. And. I'm enjoying it, you know, but like I wanted to show her Outlaw Star. Yeah. Big O. A lot of the stuff I saw in Tsunami mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, and I can't find that shit anywhere. I got lucky you know, during her birthday. We went to go have dinner and our, our date night is she's a huge vinyl collector. So um, as we've been studying now that we carry vinyl mm-hmm. like Waxworks, we're carrying all the anime soundtracks. Yeah. And uh, she goes, well, let's like let's go over to Streetlight. She gets her hour there. I get to go to a comic book shop, whatever. And I found first copy edition of Trigun uh, there for two bucks. Nobody knew it, nothing. And I was like, how much? And I looked at it and I kept looking online to see if it was real. And it was real. And we found that one and we found Cowboy Bebop first print. Uh, And I was like, done. Fucking for less than $10, I'm in. Yeah. And, you know, showing her this stuff to her, she'll look at it and be like, oh, like, I get it. I get where some of the stuff you're into comes from Mm -hmm. and from what i'm understanding that not even on funimation are you able to see some of that stuff like it's just kind of scattered everywhere yeah that's the terrible part about it is now it's easier but now everyone wants a piece that you need hulu to watch some you need disney plus to watch some you need high dive uh what's the other streaming service other than crunchyroll pornhub no it's not Pornhub. (laughs) there are there are another there's another one that but High Dive is the only other competitor to Crunchyroll. Yeah, that, that really. Even then, it's the only like 
I guess, third party one that really does have some solid footing under it. It isn't being propped up by no, some I, other bigger thing. I know it's owned by AMC. Yeah, and even but, then, High Dive is not even doing that well. They're yeah. even saying that it might even go away. Oof. No, AMC isn't doing mm. well. That's the reason why High Dive yeah. isn't. So far, nobody that I know of, nobody has been pulled from High Dive right. as an internal company. I know AMC is on shaky ground, but um, as far as like being able to get licenses, right. having really important new stuff coming out, like stuff that isn't just like weird little things you've never heard of before, like they're getting actual big titles. They're the only ones that really do that. Well, you were saying um, that predominantly like they're trying to push more of the indie stuff, mm. you know, and, and as unique as that is, you do want to have like potatoes are great. Mm-hmm. But meat is what I come for. Yeah. There's a clip for you. Um, but I think that's the hard part because uh, right now I've been doing this huge um, research for all the new mangas we're getting. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of places like Intergalactic or even Current Now is carrying them. Um, you get your Naruto's, you get your One Piece, you get your mm-hmm. some worth. I'm cool with that. I don't want that shit. I We will carry it because you need to. Yeah. But I am looking for the very hard to find horror sci-fi slice of life because I, I've always thrived from a comic book standpoint or even art standpoint, the stuff that inspires you. You know, yeah. um, I always talk about this uh, thing for my students called the Corridor Crew. They're a, a really well-known uh, YouTube channel and they just had uh, Studio Blur on and how they developed uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, you know, all these are from Pulps. And it's funny because when I watch that, being a fan of anthologies, I know the Pulps they're talking about, House of Secrets right there, or, you know, the Swiss uh, Robinson family, or, you know, Journey of Tomorrow kind Mm -hmm. of shit. Mm -hmm. I love the indie stuff because it inspires the big. But if you have too much indie and no big, then you get too niche You know, you have to have that balance. So do you guys think genuinely asking, do you think that if they if they let go of a lot of the bigger stuff, it's going to to wing? Because I'll give you an example. Everyone's hating on Marvel right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a fucking opinion about DC and Marvel forever. Fucking. And as that was a big thing, most comic book nerds, actual people who have read, were just happy to see some kind of adaption. Mm-hmm. But the problem was, then we'll talk about this about something we're talking about later, but authenticity mm-hmm. and now people are like she hulk stupid this yeah. is bad this is bad but if you've ever read the books like john burns uh run that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. it's exactly that but they're listening too much to non-readers yeah. non like a uh, people like a it's the word i'm looking for uh enthusiasts mm-hmm. That they just kind of burn their own bridges and now it's a regurgitation. Mm-hmm. Do you think if they lose a lot of these big animes, you're going to get to a point where people are like, you know what? I don't want it anymore. And even though we're the diehards, yeah, it does hurt opportunities for things like Demon Slayer. There are new movie coming out, new this, and it's opening new opportunities. Do you think that would hurt it? I think if, yeah, I mean, to an extent, dropping some things that are bigger will for the same reason, yeah, there are going to be people who come in to say Crunchyroll because they're the ones that are uh, bringing in My Hero, right. you know, uh, that, you know, it's simulcast on there. So the same time it comes out, so, you know, Japan comes out here. Right. Um, the people who are getting that and then are also being fed other things like something we're watching or that we're talking about today, Candyman Saito. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not even going to know that those things exist because they're never going to pass by them on a menu because they're not there for the big thing that they wanted to. 
Uh, I definitely think that there's there's probably room for some of them to pull back without necessarily hurting themselves that much. But you, know, you, you pull back too much, then I think a lot of them go away. And I think I was talking about High Dive being the one that um, as far as being sort of a third party thing, mm-hmm. uh, being the one that has the strongest legs for itself. That is a service that can't do that. If that service got rid of more mainstream animes like the uh, recent reboot of Urusei Yatsura, which was super popular anime from back in the day, they got the reboot for it. They're doing really great on those numbers. If they'd gotten rid of that, there's no reason for someone who isn't already in the world of anime to really look at them or to even have their name come up in a conversation. Right. Crunchyroll has a little bit more leeway because they're the big brand. Like when you think about anime in the United States, they're pretty much it. They are the biggest distributor. They're they're Netflix in 2012. Where that makes sense. Yeah. Where absolutely. even if you weren't a part of that realm, you've heard the name. Right. But uh, I mean, even to that extent, Crunchyroll pulls back too much, and that's a problem. If you had to get rid of one big anime to sacrifice for the rest of the animes, what would it be? I think that we're at a point where everything's been used so much that now we're actually getting to the super niche things where isekais used to be like, I've got reincarnated and I got to go beat up the demon boss. But now it's like, I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I'm just a fucking farmer, dude. Yeah. Like it brings more attention to that because for playing games, it's weird to me that people play simulators. Cause it's like, go fucking get that in real life job. <laughs> but it's such a niche thing. And it's so popular that I feel like, all of these isekais that are focusing on those appeal to people where it's just like, yeah, it's a small group, but if they're going to keep buying it up, then right. they're going to keep doing like, oh, you know what? <clears throat> Instead of now he's a farmer, he's a fisherman. Now you got to use all these fisherman skills. So I don't think it's a bad thing that these big ones are staying around because it just keeps making more innovation for the next big thing to be even cooler. Cause yeah. you know, Jujutsu yeah. Kaisen, is now around with uh, Demon Slayer for Jujutsu Kaisen, but I did like the Demon Slayer movie. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Uh, I think if I had to get rid of something, it would have to be something that I am not particularly too big of a fan of, which would be pretty much just sword art, but only because sword art. That's the one that came to mind was sword art. Only because I I like the first season of sword art. After that, it does kind of, you know, meander away. But my my wife's played the game mm -hmm. for Speak to me in stupid terms, as I would appreciate. Uh, what is it about? Because I've only seen her play the game. I've never this, watched this it. Guy. It's like Tron. Yeah, I you, guess. You get sucked into a video game and mm-hmm. you can't get out until you beat the game. Yeah, that uh, was the initial. Yeah, initially. Concept, <laughs> and then it just got devolved into I'm just going to now I'm in this fairy world. Now I'm in this gun world. And now I think yeah. they're at a point where they went back to the original game. But it's now you're not the fear of dying. Yeah. That's the reason why I I say that one is because it had been the first sort of story. I think that first story really serves itself well. That's a full story. And then they come back and they're like, hey, by the way, we're now in a gun game and now we're in a blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, how do you keep getting stuck in video game worlds? It's happened to you once. It shouldn't happen again. But um, but I do think there is something to to what Sal was saying where like, yeah, you can definitely say that the fact that the, the market is so fragmented you kind of have to have all of these to services to see everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it does mean people get bored of genres really fast. And while that sounds bad initially, it at least in the last two, like I'd say two, three years has really 
forced a lot of these companies to take chances on properties that are thing that you're really aware of, but a little bit different, you know? So like you have like, like Jujutsu Kaisen, that is a martial arts anime. It's got demons in it. We see that all the time, but the characters are a little bit different and the fights are really crazy. And it is a series where, you know, it's like, like Dragon Ball Z at its best moments. It is just a fight from the, the moment it starts to the moment it ends. Right. But that fight is way more complex than anything yeah. I've seen out of a, dra- a fucking Dragon Ball show yeah. uh, in a long time. So I do think the fact that there is an oversaturation of particular kinds of anime at the very least has a side effect of they're starting to highlight all of these things that like, oh, God, what's the um the the Yakuza one? Way of the House Husband? Yeah, Way of the House Husband wouldn't have gotten made like no. 10 years ago. That's literally about a Yakuza dude who marries a nice woman who has who is the breadwinner and he decides I'll settle down and and every minute task is a drug yeah. or a thing reference mm-hmm. my wife and I love that shit yeah. because for me as a dude who genuinely grew up in the hood and she grew up in the hood but she's very like put well together yeah she's my fucking rock dude and she's like oh we got to make dinner I'm like the radishes aren't fucking ripe <laughs> ah! you know what I mean like yeah. the, it, I, yeah. I I I actually I absolutely agree with that because in the comic world right now, everyone's getting burnt out. And I've talked about this with uh, Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard years ago. Mm-hmm. Mark Bernard is this famous writer who's really good at articulating uh, what they call like chessboard uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. You can see how the moves affect everything. And he says, you know what, man? Comic books will go the way of the Western. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, uh, Westerns were like the shit. Mm-hmm. And then it became your dad's movie. Then it became grandpa's movie. And now, how many Westerns do you really see that make an impact besides like the Hateful Eight or Bone Tomahawk? Or ones that are a Western, but different. But romance uh, with it. Yeah, yeah. Or 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 even aliens or something. Or even like the ones where it's like it's a it's a Western, but it's a modern Western, like Hell or High Water. Or uh, what was the name of the the one with the the border? Sicario? No, no, no. Well, yeah, that one. But no, the other one where. It's the one dude who's trying to kill Ilim- uh, illegal immigrants. That would fall into now. Yeah, absolutely. There's you a don't remember jo- that movie? No. Th- there, I forgot one. the name of the movie, but there's a movie where like that's the whole plot is this family <laughs> just trying to cross over and this dickhead is just murdering them all. Brown- I have never heard of that movie. Yeah, it came out a couple years Bra- ago. Brownsville, Texas. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's because um, there's another one. I believe it's called The Range or Outer, Outer Range or something. Or George Rowling. Yeah, that was phenomenal. But the thing is, is that you have to, like you said, both of you, you're getting these niche pockets where it seems new, Mm -hmm. but it's really just Mm -hmm. a culmination of things. Because right now, everyone's like, oh, my God, dude, all these all these uh, comic book uh, movies and stuff are just the same. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the boys. Nobody gave a shit about that. Nobody gave a fuck about Invincible. People don't remember. Don't think about this stuff. But like when Mark Bernard is like, you know, it's going to go the way and people are going to get tired of this. At some point, um, when we're all in our 50s, kids and grandkids are going to be like, Marvel movies, that's my grandpa shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, that's my grandpa stuff, which is weird to us because our grandparents mm-hmm. weren't that way. Yeah. But, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize that the guy who wrote uh, Invincible wrote that in one month along with one other book when he was about to lose his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and go bankrupt and he wrote the walking dead and invincible 
mm-hmm. all in one month. Dude, it's so weird because I rewatched Paul when I was in Mexico and that movie yeah. came out a while ago. Invincible was the thing that was showing off and like that was the Comic-Con thing yes. yeah. in the movie. And I was just so weird to see that because Simon Pegg's character is wearing yep. an Invincible shirt the yep. entire movie. And it's just like, what the fuck, bro? And, and then uh, ironically enough with Seth, uh, uh, not Seth, Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of one of the characters because he's the one who pitched yeah. the, pro- uh, the production of it. You see all this stuff that works, but now you're seeing this thing where, like, I'm tired of heroes. I want to yeah. see anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you want to see veracity, tenacity in these people. So when you're seeing um, anime now take this on, mm-hmm. you know, um, American anime, as far as Invincible, it's very stiff animation, but the voice actors and the storytelling is amazing. Yeah. Then you have the new one that's popping now. Go go loser rangers. Mm-hmm. It's the boys meets the Power Rangers. Have you guys heard about that? Uh, no. yeah, I've heard about okay. it, but I haven't seen anything. So we we uh ordered a bunch of them because like that that right now is the prediction for the next new big big thing because yeah. it is written in the style of the boys where the premise is the the Power Rangers, big big quotations here, uh whooped the shit out of the putties and some like monster yeah. many years ago. And every single weekend or something like that, they basically have this reenactment where they whoop the shit out of them indefinitely, <laughs> kill them and bring them back because they're they're selling merch and TV yeah. shows. So one of the putties goes, fuck them. And he starts going on a vendetta to murder all the Power Rangers mm-hmm. because in this world, the Power Rangers are pieces of shit. Right. Yeah. And uh, bless you. And uh, it's one of those things of seeing how the ideal of the American dream mm-hmm. is, uh, or the, the dream of the 1% really isn't what people are striving for. Yeah. It's the idea of equality and fair treatment. Yeah. There's a famous line that says nobody wants to be, not everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everyone wants to know what it's like to spend a million dollars. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what it is. People don't want the responsibility of an action. They yeah. want the ability to do that action mm-hmm. for anyone that disagrees with that. I present to you grand theft auto. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it is. So seeing, and I agree with you, and that's a great point of having these larger ones help create new ideas that, you know, push it. And then the other thing is that to go back to the niche thing is a lot of people are just tired of the go lucky. I like one piece, but it's not until recently now that people are getting just destroyed. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, people actually die now. And yeah. a lot of the new enemies just started leading to it's like, okay, you know, let's, let's start making this a little bit yeah. more rated M for mature. And just people are getting fucked up and it's just like, how are you alive? You you have to grow with your audience. You know, I feel like Marvel versus DC. I've always been a DC head. Mm-hmm. And I like dark. I like depressing because the DC animated movies are hella good. And that's the, the thing. The, and this, the live action's always been kinda eh. And this is the thing, is I think that we'll talk about when you uh brought up about watching The Last of Us. The idea of understanding IP and understanding emotion, authenticity versus stuff that doesn't understand it. I think when you put people in a position of, well, how can we make a lot of money? Here's the thing. I wanted to like Chainsaw Man. I yeah. fucking love the intro song. Mm-hmm. I love the the blood, the gore, the design. But I mean, it's very rapey. It's very like, you're a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. Come on. Could yeah. you fucking imagine if you were like, come on, you're a 16-year-old girl. What? what you ain't going to be? Yes. Oh, so you're just going to be weird about it now. You would have a fucking t- yeah. a bitch fit about it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of what happened in Deadpool 2 mm-hmm. happened in Chainsaw Man, where it's like, I must touch a boob. Mm-hmm. I must see a breast. I must get a kiss. Mm-hmm. It's somebody being like, eh, huh? 
Huh? See, this is cool on TikTok. Yeah. The kids will respond. And people did respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But by and large, just because something makes a billion dollars doesn't mean it's good. Well, yeah. I mean, usually the, the properties that make the most money aren't the best ones. They're just the ones that hit the kind of general target market. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's the thing that everybody's kind of okay with, not necessarily the thing that everybody loves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. My wife uh, showed me a clip and she goes, this is you with the boys. And it was the kids from Demon Slayer, the three of them, the boys, I guess. And it was mm-hmm. some guy who's like, you should be grateful that I'm so great. And he made them dress up as girls and yeah. whatever. She goes, that's you with the boys. She's like, look at me and how great I am, you know, for mm-hmm. shitting on me and stuff. But again, it's like it's when she's showing me that I saw that one scene and just I know she's fucking with me, but I saw that and I go, that's funny. Yeah, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Well, let's watch a little bit more of the episode. And all of a sudden, it's just that creep in of like, huh, what are you guys doing? All right, cool. I'll check it out. And then it's like a novella, dude. They would make that joke on TikTok. It's like when your girl watches her trash ass TV, but the drama breaks out. And it's like, <laughs> oh, don't you do that derail? And all that of a sudden, it's, it's it, me like every yeah, week. And you're just like, <laughs> she, yeah, she was like watching the first season of Bridgerton. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is dumb. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that scene was dumb. <laughs> That was pretty funny, though. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm watching season two of Bridgerton with her. <laughs> it's to the point where you have to tell him to stop watching. Right? <laughs> I'm not home yet. I'm at work. <laughs> it's that. And then that one show you about the serial killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've basically seen that Apparently whole show because saw of that my wife. season came out. And mm-hmm. I was just like, how he went from stalking a girl to I think what going to fucking California or some shit. Brittany has told me and it's just like, how? Why? Why are people supporting stalking? <laughs> when yeah. he does it, it's fine. But when I do it, I get the clothes called. <laughs> Sir, this is an olive garden. I know where I'm at. I know what I'm about. <laughs> I mean, I have that argument when it comes to like when uh, I was tattooing at Monster Mania over in um, New Jersey a few months mm-hmm. ago. And um, what's his face? Freddie Cougar was there and uh, Robert England and mm-hmm. nicest guy you know what well, we're there we're tattooing at the con and we take our laps around seeing who's there and you just see everybody dude three four hundred people dressed up as Freddy Krueger yeah and somebody goes isn't this super cool man you know there's people interviewing you for podcasts yeah eh, it's all right you don't think it's cool it's like well I just you know I just think it's interesting that this is the one time in the world that 300 people can dress up like a pedophile and feel good about themselves <laughs> I mean that's all Freddy Cougar is yeah. Yeah. And then like, oh, okay well this interview's over thank you <laughs> but wait I'm not done <laughs> come back <laughs> it's just uh, 299 Freddy Kruegers and one Jared Fogle <laughs> <laughs> I'm all man nice slacks <laughs> So thanks. You hungry? <laughs> I am famished. Ay, ay, ay. I was really happy, by the way, with um that handyman. I anime. so was I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I that was the last one that I saw. Sal kept, Sal kept telling me, Are you ready for the show? And and my answer was always like, Yeah, you know, I've been keeping up with Last of Us. Uh I saw, you know, the Junji Ito thing. Um I Still haven't seen the Saito one. I still got to watch that one, but then I'll be ready. Uh, up until yeah, was it yesterday at work or the day before? Within the last couple days, he was like, are you ready? And then I was like, yeah, uh, I just still need to see the Saito one. <laughs> so I saw that last night and this morning. And as soon as I started watching, it, I was like, this is a great show. Yeah. You guys want to start off? May as well just hop into Saito then, right? Yeah. Premise is uh, this handyman guy from our real world 
wake it starts off with him in another world he's a already picking. in it we don't know why yeah, he's yeah. there yet within he, the first three episodes we're not told why he's mm-hmm. there he's just explaining how he used to be a handyman he's like picking these doors for this uh, group of adventures it's an isekai and this mm-hmm. is one of those ones that i was telling you where the plot isn't i gotta stop the demon world or the demon lord from killing everyone I'm just going to live my life now appreciating it. Yeah, he's like, now. I'm literally going to do the same thing I did in the real world, but here for people who appreciate it yeah. more. Can I ask real quick, uh, out of ignorance, what does isekai mean? Oh, right. Isekai uh, literally translates <clears throat> to another world. Okay. Uh, and it's just it's just uh, a property where a character is from one like, area uh, or one dimension, universe, world, whatever, and then winds up in another one. Cool. Like uh, Chronicles of Narnia or Alice in Wonderland. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, each little episode has little episodes in it, which mm-hmm. I liked. And it's just him going on with this group of event, a uh, group of adventures, an, an old guy who is like a, a Merlin type wizard. bro. Yeah, with his <laughs> my name. favorite guy. Yeah, he's like he's level 80. Uh, he <laughs> has he has the night lady who is, I think, 36. Something like that. Yeah. Paladin almost. Yeah. Yep. She's just a big uh tank for the group there's a little fairy the little, little greedy ass Bell one yeah greedy ass fairy charging <laughs> to heal the your dps that's your whole job is to be the healer <laughs> yeah but i mean she does she does mention it's free if you're dying it's yeah. just it costs money if you're a little uncomfy yeah and then the main protagonist bro who in the archetype should be the 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 rogue the backstabber but he's more the i'm just i'm just he's just like another support yeah i'm just the glue holding everyone like oh well actually no they do refer to him they mention uh because the the night lady is complaining about his presence and they do they do i think it's the fairy tells her like hey you're the one that wanted a thief Mm -hmm. i think it was the old guy was it the old guy i think it was the old guy maybe but they they tell her like you're the one who wanted a thief in the party and because I remember like hearing that and going like, I guess it does work. He does know how to break into mm-hmm. things. That's about as close as they got with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just him living his new life, uh, doing little <clears throat> tasks for everyone where everyone's just like, holy shit, this is crazy that you can do. It. And it's like, I guess, bro. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I was telling my wife when we were watching, I was like, I'm super glad they suggested this. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, Cruz picked them for this week. Absolutely fucking great. Because when it's like, yo, his memory's going and he's running with the zombie. Yeah. Horde, the and like, yeah. What, are, what are you doing? <laughs> Just like, like, <laughs> um, I, I, I liked it, but specifically what I did was, uh, liked about it was the, <coughs> uh, bless you, uh, was, the writing format and what it means and why that show kind of sticks. Mm-hmm. Because I think for me um, personally, what I see out of it was everybody in Japan really fucking hates their mundane lives. Yeah. Okay. So the idea of, you know, man, I wish I can go the time I got reincarnated as a slime. The one that we watched last time on the other one, where there was like a, they jumped straight into like a, a wolf and a fucking yeah, but, but, but yeah, but yeah. It, it was like that there's one. So many there's so many of them. Oh, what do you call it again? The isekai. Isekai. Yes. There's so many of those because I think that when you have that pressure socially, that you are always pressured to just fit in and conform. It, it immediately becomes this thing of like I need to go to another world to develop, and he sees himself as a burden because he's like I'm not special, and look yeah. at how great they are. But to them, he's a specialist Mm -hmm. and how in their world, 
it's like, no, look at the amazing things as simple as they are. And I think the real big message that I got from it was in, in life, you will have people who are absolute, like they're, they're absolute just bangers at what they do. Mm -hmm. You have a, a phenomenal podcast or you have a phenomenal artist or whatever it is. And to people who feel like they don't have any real skill or not special, they have a sense of stability. Yeah. And to those of us who are creative types that lack stability when, you know, you're just all over the place, that person is our caliper. That yeah. person is the thing that we're like, man, what you think we're so cool about, I can't do anything else but this. Well, it's it's yeah. like, I'm sure you probably relate to this too, but you know, I, I doodle on occasion. Um, Growing up, I, I would draw a lot, right? I, I'm sure you've had it happen to you before where you were in school or something and you were drawing what you thought was the crappiest thing you've ever drawn in your life. And someone leans over your shoulder and goes, you do that? And you're like, yeah, that's so cool. And you're thinking like, don't patronize me. This is yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. But they're genuine about it. And then you realize like, oh, <laughs> even though what I'm doing, I can I can see what I'm doing isn't right. what I want. It's still a skill that enough people lack that this even in this form yeah. it is well, impressive to somebody when he is doing the whole thing about the locksmith stuff mm -hmm. they keep calling him by oh we have a thief yeah we have an armor we have a we have a, a, a blacksmith and it's the very bare essentials of what we take yeah. for granted yeah but it's this thing of like when he cooks the meat you should open up this and he was like eh. and it's just a little herbs it's a yeah. little salt but you comprehend that and you're like, well, in his, in the real world, he's not appreciated, but in a world where something like that is an absolute necessity, yeah, he is valuable because he is, he worked for it. That's yeah. the whole point. And know? to him, he's like, he's in the real world. He's working jobs that are just anything he can get. Right. And so he's developed a sort of myriad of like little skills right. that aren't applicable to one job, but are applicable to having a bunch of tiny ones. He goes to a world where it is incredibly rare for people to have one of those skills. Right. He keeps correcting people and saying, I'm a handyman. Yes. But there's no concept of what a handyman is because you, in order to be an armorer in that world. You must be a blacksmith. You had to be, that had to be your vocation for years. And same thing with the cooking. Like he was just like, oh yeah, you know, I, I have my chef certification. I don't really use it that much. It's not really as good as people from where I'm from. But- it's to a them, thing. They're there. And yeah. when, when his boss in his um, flashback, mm -hmm. listen, man, either you want the job or you don't. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. a thousand of the people lining up. It, it's it sucks because in the world of modernism, we are taught. And I think especially that whole narrative in that show is you are just a number. Yeah. Conformity is key. And for numbers to work, they must be ad uh, added in order or subtracted in order. Mm -hmm. So you will be dealt with as necessary. Mm -hmm. Into this world, it's like everyone's trying to do their thing. Everyone's yeah. trying to be there. Like <clears throat> the idea of how he goes and does the like, I'll pay for his back yeah. to the ferry, you know? And she's like, why would you do that? Why, 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 why? And it's like, there's no idea of just helping each other. And I think yeah. most of us, the way we grew up, especially in, in, um, Especially in like small farming towns, mm -hmm. you know, you're taught like I'm sure like you have friends that would absolutely go out of their way to be like, fuck that. I ain't going to ain't no one going to tell me nothing. Then they go to your house and your mom's like, hey, take those shoes off. No, 
Yes, ma'am. You know what I mean? They immediately know because there's this idea of you may never have any real food in your house, but Mm -hmm. you're, but you have somebody in your life that would never let you go hungry. Even if that's your friend's mom. Yeah. You know, there's always that idea. And for them, they're like, Oh, we have to teach their own. And he's like, yeah, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a handyman. But also out of necessity for them too, because they're very much in in a period of time for themselves where they have to like taking care of themselves is priority. Not only is it priority, it's about the only thing that most of them can afford to do. Absolutely. So the fact that he's willing to be like, yeah, just here you go. Here's, Here's to you. This is a, a you know an incredibly difficult skill. Takes years and years and should cost a lot of money. Yeah, I'll do it for like nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's unheard of in a world, and I think that that's also a reflection of what people expect now. Mm-hmm. Of when you want to go out of your way, what's your motive? Yeah, what's your angle? You know, <clears throat> the I love the I love the. I think like you, you've talked about this with tropes, but when they make somebody irresistible, oh, he's so cute. Oh, this mm-hmm. and that. And they, they overdo it too much. Yeah. I think this did a really good job of when the paladin and the fairy are, uh, the fairy's making fun of the paladin because she's thinks he's cute. Yeah. And then when she goes to get the armor done, he goes, oh, it's you. And it's just very nonchalant. It looks like the yeah. crucible knife from Elden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just, but it's like so nonchalant. Like what's. Why'd you go? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. why'd you, why'd you just go in there? Why are you making it weird? And it's small things like that where it's like, oh, it's funny. You yeah. know, it's funny, but it's not forced. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys like about it? I give this a solid eight out of 10. I give this one like a nine. I I'm like digging it. this one hardcore. I give it a nine out of 10 myself. I, I really wish they would have given a little bit more about who the other people were yeah. up front. But I think first episode was so fucking strong. That I was like immediately, I gotta follow this through. Yeah, yeah, same. Hundred percent. I enjoyed it. Peralta, but <laughs> oh, Saito feels valued for being a locksmith and jack of all trades. Not too sure how he got there, but his flashbacks of his past life seem sad and unthankful. Something I can relate to. Average Joe who dies in every episode. LOL. <laughs> I like the clay models in the end credits of episode two. Overall, interesting show. A six out of ten for exploration people. What's the next one we're talking about? Uh, the Jujito one. Did you watch the first three? You're talking about the you... one on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The I, I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Well, actually, when you guys reached out, we had just finished it. And oh, okay. we're currently on the collection on Crunchyroll. Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, so. Cruz was like, let's just choose random ones. So Peralta but, only did the yeah. first three. Mm. I did six, eight, and ten. Well, you know what? I may, may I ask? I would like to know what Peralta's is because judging from the last interaction with her, she is. She does not like horror. Yeah, exactly. And so from when she was talking about cyberpunk, mm-hmm. her point of view is absolutely valid because it's her own. Her point of view versus how you guys talk, I think it's always interesting to take in the opposite because mm-hmm. there is no hope, you know, no. in these uh, in comic books. They have uh, Ice Cream Man right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is 100 percent ice cream man you know what i mean and there is the whole moral of it is just bleak but i would be interested to hear what she has to say because yeah, i think I she might has as a lot well to just say. read her since we're all you've already seen it all yeah um, he's i've only there seen we go. Yeah. some of them for her she puts Yuji to individual stories of paranormal 
death and the unexplained reminds me of the tales from the crypt first episode mm-hmm. family is a is a real deal and dishonoring is a sin second episode tunnel reminds me of the korean drama mystery series of murders and tunnels but this one is due to cosmic rays ice cream truck no bueno i guess that eliminates humankind and floating heads is bizarre not for me but it's intriguing for a specific demographic seven out of ten she gave that more than the interesting right especially given how averse she is to horror things yeah she don't really like paranormal stuff because she her mom would tell her stories about the philippines and how the philippines is just mexico over there they have weird uh creatures (laughs) when i was a kid um if I may share something with you. Quick. Yeah. When I was a kid um, in my room, we had a closet door that was cut wrong. Like mm-hmm. it just, they never fixed it. My father was this dude, just super jail body, fucking super strong. Everything always built, could never shut that door. So mm-hmm. one, I've always been very sensitive to seeing things, the shop itself. And anyone who listens to our podcast or has been here, we have four or five ghosts in the shop. Yeah. No, no joke. Like they're always in here. Yeah, We have them in the school too. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. malicious. You you can see them moving around, whatever. You just kind of do your thing. But I've always been able to see kind of things there and you know i learned the biggest rule for my mother which was that night i'm sleeping and i woke up like this and i my eyes pop open i can feel something looking at me and that fucking closet door just boom it slammed shut i jumped out of bed and i ran to my mom's room and i'm four or five at this point and i'm just like oh my god there's a ghost in my room and she like you know typical mom works all day what and I was like, there's a fucking ghost in my room. It's fucking close <laughs> time. She goes, well, tell that motherfucker to pay rent. I ain't gonna have nobody in this goddamn house. I'm gonna pay rent. And she made me go back in my room. And I was sitting there. And I was like, my mom, my mom wants you to pay rent. <laughs> I swear to God, dude, I didn't feel any fear after that because, you know, I mean, of course, you're not hearing the, the you're not hearing the ghost, but like, yeah. you run off and shit. But, uh, you know, her whole philosophy was if you give it power, mm. it takes power. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of this? Uh, the, go for it, Chris. Okay, so the ones that I watched, I actually watched the first one because I wanted to see what the intro to the series was like. But then I also watched The Hanging Balloons because that one's one of my favorite of his stories. Right. And then also Tombtown mm-hmm. because that one that one was printed in uh, a collection like 1997. It's pretty old. Right. But it hasn't gotten an, an English release until the next Junji Ito collection that he's coming out with. Okay. In March. So okay. I figured I'd check that one out because it's going to be the most new ish one. The first one, which was about the strange siblings, was I kind of thought kind of a bad <laughs> intro to the series only because. As someone who has like I, I have a lot of his books, I've been reading them for a very long time. Tonally, I don't think that would be the way I would prep people for Junjito. <laughs> like there was definitely some creep factor in there, but it was mostly Adam's family vibes. Absolutely. The way they draw the eyes yeah. and everything gives you Uncle Fester vibes. Yeah, where, but, uh, but I mean, <clears throat> even more so than that, it's about a family, you know, they're functional, but they're really creepy. And they have this connection to like a supernatural element. Yeah. But it is goofy more so than it is anything else. And I think intentional. I think that's what he was going for. But like some of my favorite things from him have been stories about people getting eaten, people turning into centipedes or a town where everybody gets so obsessed with spirals. They start carving out their own inner ears, like Mm. really intense stuff. 
and the intro to the series was the goofiest thing he's ever written before. And so I thought totally that was odd to be like, I don't, I don't know if that would have been my first choice to draw people into what he does. Mm-hmm. Overall, I did like the episode. It just, it stuck out to me as like a weird first thing. Cause that is what you're introducing people to. You're getting them ready for what the tone is. And then you move on to the second one, which I watched. It wasn't the second one in order, but it was the second one that I watched, The Hanging Balloons, which is based off of a story he wrote about a day where people start seeing themselves as essentially giant hot air balloons floating outside, Mm -hmm. luring you outside. And as soon as you go outside, they hang you. And that's one of my favorite things about Junji Ito is he's always been incredibly good at making the main character the event instead of the people you're following. Nice. So you get to see a horrible thing you really can't avoid. It's always just tragedy is coming for you and there's really nothing you can do for it. And so I really like The Hanging Balloons as a story because of that. The adaptation of it it had some moments where it also came off goofy. There was the moment where uh, the dad of one of the characters you're following is like, I got to go to work anyway. So I'm going to run to the car, cover my head, and I hope this thing doesn't get me. And of course it gets him. Yeah. Like ASAP, because duh. Please, please don't go. Your family is up at the office. Yeah. I just can't do it. No. Yeah, the office where most of the people yeah. who probably tried to work in a milk factory. Yeah, I got to go get the fucking milk reports. He's all, no. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy son. It's like most of those, most of your coworkers are dead, dude. Stay home. <laughs> but, uh. But I did like something about this one that I know you said you guys are barely going through the Junji Ito collection mm-hmm. on Crunchyroll. I actually wasn't that big of a fan of that one. I'm not right now. I can tell you that I like the Netflix better. For a very specific reason. Well, for two reasons. One, the art I think is better in uh, the Maniac collection on Netflix. Mm-hmm. But also with the Junji Ito collection on Crunchyroll, they very much one-to-one adapted stories. And in most cases, people appreciate that. The thing is, Junji Ito's really good at writing for the medium that he's writing for. Right. So he does these really good buildups to these horror moments in a manga where you're being fed information very slowly and it builds up really nicely. And then you get that page turn and that page turn is almost like a jump scare for you. Right. You get the big reveal. Well, the the collection does that in video uh, where it slowly zooms in on stuff and then tries to jump scare you with an image that is itself not moving because it's a pretty visual, good, yeah. pretty like it's a pretty good adaptation as far as one to one goes of the thing, but it's too close. The Netflix series, they tend to make these little changes from the story that I just think serve it better as an animation. So you get less of those moments where something just pops out of nowhere and hangs for way too long and then you're popped back into the story. Right. It, it feels less like it's being interrupted. Um, I did like a couple of moments in the hanging balloons where you get to see the news report and it's literally just pages from the manga That's cool. <laughs> just put in. Uh, so I really liked that one. I found Tombtown to be interesting. I wouldn't say it's my favorite of his. I do like it's another one of his weird concepts. Right. This town where people die and they turn into stone, into tombstones. And if they're not allowed to do that in their final resting place, then bad things happen. 
I think that 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 is, you know, he's very creative in the way that he takes normal everyday things and tries to turn them into a direction that makes them creepier. So that one came off a little bit goofy, too. But I do think that is more of a, a speaking to the writing of the story, because I did read the stories as right. well as watch them. And that that issue of it being kind of goofy is still in the actual yeah, story. Absolutely. But I thought as an adaptation, <clears throat> I really liked it a lot. Um, it, I definitely want to watch all of them because it's for me, the bar is just is it a better adaptation than the Crunchyroll one? So far, I would say yes. Uh, I still think my favorite adaptation of anything Junji Ito ever would be the Uzumaki movie that came out in like a late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Okay. Yeah. But as an enthusiast, as it, an enthusiast, it scratches the right ways. Yes, it definitely doesn't. It didn't leave me mad. I think I could have been happier with it, but I also think me saying I could have been happier with it doesn't really mean much when I had nothing to do with trying to put this thing together. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure if someone was like, Cruz, you put together, just storyboard out how you would want this to go. I would be in a world of trouble. <laughs> You're all these. I did these. Well, those are panels from the manga. So no, no, no. I drew these. <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> It's yeah. like, and I made these changes. These changes are terrible. It's yeah. like, I know. Why is Ratatouille in this one? Listen, <laughs> you asked for my vision, goddammit. I'm giving you my goddamn vision. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for this at all. I don't really care for Junito. I know a lot of people compare it to the modern uh, Lovecraft, but I just don't see it. The three that I watched, all of them were dumb. Like, I feel like I chose wrong ones. <laughs> I chose molds. Uh, and it came with a uh, library vision. Both stories were just, eh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would I, agree. The, I think the thing that I don't like is some of these people that don't do nothing and they just bad shit happen. They're just like, I can't hate the person or feel bad for them. If mm-hmm. they're just like, I'm going out of town. I guess you can stay in my fucking house. And then I die in my house yeah. For, yeah. for you. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> then the other one was layers of terror and the thing that drifted ashore the thing that drifted ashore at first i was like oh this is pretty cool it was like a weird cthulhu well and then nothing it's the just, thing that drifted ashore is based off of a it, true thing it, it's just it was just like yeah it's a well with some weird white people in it and i don't mean like caucasian just they're just like yeah. sperm white yeah and then the last one that i watched <laughs> was underneath the labyrinth which i thought was dumb as shit and then the bully, which I thought was worse. I felt like I was watching the Harley Quinn origin story. It's <laughs> <laughs> about this girl who just bullies this kid and he takes it. That's the only one that I could see like there is actually being cause and effect because she bullied this kid. Later on, he turns out to be handsome, marries her, knocks her up, and then is like, peace. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, there's like, deuces. yeah, he, there's because like, there's, there's very this, realistic revenge arc. Yeah. So yeah. that one, I was like, okay, that one is the better one but the ending just ruined it because she just goes into harley quinn mode with yeah. the, her kid and just like he he already did his thing whatever you do you're just evil now yeah yeah, yeah. he had to go pick up the reports at the milk factory yeah. <laughs> uh personally myself i i love horror anthologies in general mm-hmm. uh this is very much i think uh um I think uh, she was right when it came to like, it's like tales from the crypt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You have Mm -hmm. all these different things that come in and Peralta when she, when she's going about, it's not for everybody. I totally agree. I think some of the stuff that you're saying and the stuff that you're saying, it's like a, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. I think of it like a triangle, good storytelling and concept, Mm -hmm. good execution. And then practicality. Mm -hmm. It moves per episode. You know what I mean? And it never really lands 
perfectly. Uh, I, I I ran through it because the first one, I mean, let's talk about what's really scary in this. Mm-hmm. The most terrifying thing of this entire fucking series is that goddamn outro song. Oh my <laughs> God, dude. I, I, I skipped I, it every time. Dude, I, I love, I've been playing music for 30 years, man. And I absolutely fucking love jazz, fusion, everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. That thing is atrocious. That is the scariest fucking thing. I was even telling my wife, I was like, stop it, stop it. You know, she, um, the first one, absolutely. I think it's the Tiger King effect. Yeah. I think that when you put something odd on TV, yeah, you don't understand it, but you're willing to, uh, you're willing to give it a try. It's not bad. It's not good. It's lukewarm. Yeah. You know, and uh, like in, like when they talk about storyboarding, if you have something that has been cooling on the windowsill, so to speak, for a while, you're more inclined to try it because there's no risk of getting burned and mm-hmm. there's no uh, there's no disinterest of it being cold, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can jump into the second one. The second one's where it really does pull your attention. The floating heads one was so cool visually. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the stuff that was there, I mean, like what we're doing with the collection right now is the little boy yeah. with the nails in his mouth. Oh, uh, Soichi. Soichi, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's kid, the one thing I will agree that the images look badass. Like that, right. oh, that's creepy. I would get that on my body somewhere if I wasn't a pussy. Literally, want to get but, a Junjito tattoo. Yeah, that, like that's the only thing that I like about the guys. Just that the art itself is real nice, but the rest of it, I'm just like, I don't care, bro. If you ever want a panel, let me know. I'll do it for <laughs> you. Uh, no, because see, a lot of that art to me is beautiful. I look yeah. at that from an artistic point of view, and that's where I think I fall in love with it because I gave it a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. when I first watched it because I'm speaking from an art point of view. Yeah. Story-wise, I think I gave it closer to like a 6.5 to 7 a- at that time. Yeah. Now that I've had time to reflect on it, because when you guys had suggested it, I was like, oh, fucking perfect. Homework's done. But like um, the balloon one was absolutely like, okay, this is cool. My favorite one out of all of them was the ice cream one, Mm -hmm. because that is a very big trope in the old UFO uh, Golden Key series that they used to have back in the 60s. And then the ice cream man himself in the series, for anyone that doesn't know what ice cream man is uh, from uh, awesome horror anthology where everything that, you know, if there's a newspaper in this issue reading about some issue, that's the next issue. You know, there's always some kind of Easter yeah. egg, but there is no hope. There is nothing. It's just the world is bad. I think what, um, and it is one of the most haunted and most depressing places on earth. It's like going to London. When I first went to London in like 2007, I was like, it's gonna be fucking dope. It's Los Angeles with an accent. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, man, this shit's whack. You know what I mean? And their food sucks. Yeah, um, they've heard that a lot. Yeah, it, it's literally no different. I mean, uh, there's some great people there. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Japan is a place of absolute horror. Mm-hmm. And in that craziness, how crazy is it that we look and idolize Japan in this way that it's beautiful and it's bright and there's all these amazing big blinking lights. But then from the strip like Vegas, which is one of the most iconic places in the world, and you step one street over and some of the worst crime mm-hmm. happens in Vegas. That's like the whole idea of anime and manga in Japan. And you step one over and yep. you have this. And everything you have is a terrifying. forest that is known for people going to commit suicide. suicide. Yeah. The and Aokigahara Forest. All this stuff is a representation of the horrors of what really lives there. Yeah. When you're seeing the ice cream one and then it's just like, my friends, and just boom, head goes off. And, you know, no no adults are allowed. And everything about this series 
is to me a personification of the horrors that go on in a daily basis and the thing that happens when you're not wishing for a better world, you're emphasizing the world you live in. That's actually uh, so Junji Ito came to uh, Crunchyroll Expo, I believe it was like the first or second year, second year, second year year that it was it was a thing. We went to go watch it. Um, He mentioned that the whole he as like a person, he seems like a very calm, very happy guy when he talks about like he talks to people who really love his stuff and, you know, they're they're talking to him about the way he does what he does. He seems like a very nice, very happy guy. Man clearly loves his wife and his two cats, like very positive. But he mentions that he wrote his first horror story ever. The thing that made him uh, interested in writing horror uh, when he was a child, mm-hmm. because the particular house they lived in, it was like a house that was <clears throat> built in the countryside. Nothing around them. His His bathroom wasn't inside the house. It was in like a weird tunnel next to the house. And so anytime he needed to use the restroom, he was competing for space with these massive like centipedes. Mm. And it scared the crap out of him to have to go use the restroom because they would crawl all over his legs and he'd have to fight them off. And I guess it was just that childhood horror of something that he had to deal with every day. Yeah. That made him go, let me look at everything else that I have to deal with every day through that prism and let's make it as terrible as it can be. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Like, I I absolutely like to believe as much as sarcasm as I have or, you know, people who can think I'm cool or not or an asshole or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I am a pretty decently happy guy. I love yeah. my wife. I love my best friends. I love what I do for a living. But I absolutely live for horror and sci-fi. Because I think we talked about this with cyberpunk. I don't, I don't, um, I don't glorify violence. Yeah. I respect retribution because coming from where I came from, I absolutely believe that the wrongs that were done to my family, uh, that are irreversible, you know, I, am I really suffering for it? No. But what I, would I love to see some type of justice for those people? Yeah. So seeing that in cyberpunk where it was like, you got to take the reins. Yeah. You know, and even though the mom did fucking just as bad as the son, everybody has to pay up in the end. If you choose that life, that's what you get with horror. And I think with this stuff, sometimes just things happen, dude, yeah. to some bad things happen to people and you never, ever get retribution. You never get anything. And if you are trying your best to be rational about irrational things, the worst will happen. And that's, a, I think that's the great thing about this and what I love about it artistically is visually it brings your life to uh, your mind to life. Chainsaw Man. And I think uh, Kaizen is a great example when you see like Parasite, mm-hmm. how they anamorph these things. But then, you know, you have a story behind it. This one, I agree with you where you're a uh, what's out where he's like, this is kind of fucking stupid. You know, like I'm looking at it and I'm like, visually, this is cool. Yeah. But it's fucking stupid. Then I agree with you as with Cruz, where I'm like, this is ingenious. Mm-hmm. It's so tasteful. But God damn it, is it so fucking yeah. just stupid and weird? And I think that's where the kid with the nails in the mouth, you know, yeah. him, he fucking annoys me. I absolutely want to beat the living shit out of him mm-hmm. because he reminds me of one of my cousins who would always get away with stuff. And in my head, you know, I see that from a cousin's point of view and a baby brother where it's like, hit that motherfucker. And they're like, Hey, you better not, you better not. I'm going to hit him. But, <laughs> you know, but then you have, uh, you have these stories where I think there is a lot of 
emphasis on in Japan specifically, it has been bound to tradition to the point of I'd rather like what's happening in the and not to be political, but like in the Middle East where they are killing their own family members or daughters mm-hmm. rather than seeing them ever be on Instagram. Yeah, because it's the honor of the family. Mm-hmm. And I think when you live in a society like that, where it's portrayed as this beautiful place of of, of big ideas and dreams, but it's just a job, you yeah. know, the handyman, it's just another thing you do. The horror side becomes so much more real to where it's like, isn't that crazy how that's a lot more Japan than yeah. any of the other animes you see? Uh, what do you guys give it as far as yeah. the ju- Juichi? Jujito. Uh, Jujito, thank you. Yeah. What do you guys give? It? I give like a solid six. I, you're a fan. You're gonna watch it regardless. Yeah, yeah of course. I would lovingly give it a solid six. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I'm with you artistically. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. give it a fucking nine, nine point five. Yeah. Story wise, I agree with both of you that if you fucking love this. You'll watch it. Yeah. If you don't love it, you'll probably still watch it and be like, why the fuck did I watch that? Because the thing is, there's like a little part of me too, right? That is also rationalizing it as like, they just didn't pick the right stories. <laughs> but I also know I mm-hmm. might have been even more upset if they picked the the quote right stories and, and they didn't, just do well. didn't do it well. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. that's solid across the board. So actually, in this case, Peralta, Peralta gave it the yeah. highest one. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Weird. to the horror club, Peralta. <laughs> <laughs> we got jackets. Cool. You guys, so you guys, your question for this one isn't an anime. Uh, you had asked me, if I may say, uh, about The Last of Us. For The Last of Us, a TV show compared to the game, I'm always going to be comparing the two. It's, it still takes me so much time to get used to Ellie. But episode three, everyone was like, this is the best episode HBO has ever made for anything. And I remember seeing like titles of that and people's stupid reactions on like on YouTube, like their facial reaction, like they're getting just DP'd. And so when I finally got a chance to watch it earlier today, I was like, is it only the best because it's two gay dudes? So I was oddly surprised that like there was more to it other than two gay dudes. Yeah. It's not just two gay dudes in this world. It's two actual people that end up strangers. They like each other and then they change each other. And it's just like, okay, actually, I would agree. Not that it's the best episode all of HBO, but it was a good ass episode. What it a had way, highs and lows. What a way to get out of the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, but I agree with you. I um, It's implied in the game. It's never outright said, but it's heavily fucking shown. I think they do, though. Well, he says it's his partner. Yeah. Then you see the magazine. I mean, yeah. everything's there, but yeah. they didn't. They, I guess yeah, they don't say immediately it. say yeah. It's it, but it's extremely mm-hmm. said. But they have to imply because of their regional mm-hmm. distribution. Yeah. I agree with you, and I think that's because when I heard it too, I was like, "Is it a gay thing? Mm-hmm. Is it a gay thing?" I didn't think anything. I saw a uh, fucking Ron Swanson, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. He's in the fucking show." Yeah, Nick Offerman. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. It. I didn't even. That's because I only saw a little bit of the titles, but I didn't look anything into it because I was like, "I need to watch this." By um, the end of episode three, I was like, "Damn, that could have just been its own little short thing, yeah. just not even fucking straight up tied in." And I would have been happy. I think it would be better the way you guys traditionally do this is where you go one by one. Yeah. I will just say off the bat, nine point eight out of ten. 
for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just going to lead with that because specifically the way that they're fucking writing, but I do see the faults in some yeah. small things. And I don't say that because I'm sucking. It's like, oh, it's like, okay. No, no, no. It's like, it has a Game of Thrones effect mm-hmm. where I was talking to my client today when I was sat to him and he was like, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you remember when they killed the uh, person they killed in the first? I mean, obviously a spoiler, but yeah. the thing is, is like when they kill the first person, you never think they would Ooh, do that. Uh, yeah. And they 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 go up. Well, well here's it's the thing. Old, I, yeah, well, I it's it's, it's yeah. old, but I didn't yeah. remember his name. Uh, oh, Ned thanks. Stark. <laughs> Ned Stark, yeah. Yeah. So Tony Stark dies. And um, <laughs> I think the thing about it with that is that you were thrown off by something absolutely unexpected yeah and the reason this game got such a lot of love from people was because it was one of the first games in a long time universally treated like a real fucking mm-hmm. written project yeah like you said there's so many other properties that are being overshadowed but this hit a demographic where people are like you're sitting there and it's that thing of like when the tv is on static and you're like thinking about life mm-hmm. you know what i mean so uh I would love to hear what you guys have to say about it first. So from episode one, right? Yeah, sure. So to to actually preface this a little bit, I'd already been like catching up with everything. But before Sal started watching it, he he had one complaint that I immediately agreed with him about and then slowly started not agreeing with. And I ended up taking the opposite position. Uh, He had asked me, how close is it to the games? And I said, it's actually pretty spot on. Yeah. And he said. Well, I've already played the games, so then there's no reason for me to have to watch the show. And immediately I was like, yeah, kind of. Sure. That's it it doesn't point. add a whole lot. But then I thought about it more and I kind of came to the conclusion that it, it feels more the opposite for me. There's enough added to the show. I think that if you're someone who played the games, there's something there for you to to, to like. Yeah. I don't think the game, the show necessarily would encourage me had I never played the games to play the games. Right. Because the show, and maybe this is because I've already played them, but the show to me feels like this is what The Last of Us was supposed to be. I, I can it, see it that. It feels like, because The Last of Us, the first game came out 10 years ago, but it was in development since 2009. Right. It feels to me like Neil Druckmann wrote a TV show in 2009 that would not have been able to have been made in 2009 could you imagine if he actually wrote he's like i just need this two gay dudes to love each other (laughs) well we can't put that on air okay i'll put a zombie apocalypse with a bunch of other shit into it but it's gotta have two gay dudes (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean like everything about it could not have been made can you imagine this being made in 2009 it would have looked terrible the actors wouldn't have been where they needed to be at and yeah there are content things that just wouldn't have been able to be done absolutely this no broadcast network would have taken a chance on something like this before but having watched the show it feels like this is having played the game it is obviously like many games are 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 uh, very strict, straightforward narrative. But The Last of Us is a particularly restrictive narrative. Yeah. Yes, in the gameplay element sec- like sections, you can do things a little bit differently. But no matter how different you do things, the next cutscene falls in line the same way. We talked about it uh, last week, and it was Skyrim and Fallout 4 has A through Z. Yeah. But there are four Zs, five mm-hmm. Zs. As to where Last of Us is an A 
to B to C, but you get a B1, B2, but you will always end up at C. Yeah. But the B1 and B2 gives you a better understanding of Z. Yeah. Or C, I'm sorry. Um, It's linear at its yeah. core. So to me, it just feels like I, I feel like if you're someone who is watching the show, I don't know that you're necessarily, unless you're already a gamer, you're probably not getting too many inklings to go, you know what, let me, let me pick up this no. game. That and the show changes enough where... It makes the game worse. Like the yeah, there are moments. Yeah, I think the only thing from episode one that the uh, I think the game did a lot better is the intro where Joel and his daughter is going through it. I feel like the game when you're going through that, yeah, is a you're, lot. You're yeah, in the driver's yeah. seat of that. You're the, you're you're first person. You're not just watching a TV. And even like all the crazy shit that happens before the daughter gets killed is in the game a lot better. Even for it being hella old and then the emotion for when she dies i feel the game did a little bit better but from the first episode i think that's the only part where i would choose the game cutscene over yeah. the tv show and not just that but the tv show is already on the fly correcting some narrative things that were a little bit off with the game because i was hesitant to play last of us 2 because i'd heard about the twists and to me it was kind of like ah oh, we're gonna do that and then oh they're gonna change the way the fireflies operated towards the end of it yeah. to sort of make this thing work you get off the bat that like you're very uncertain about whether the fireflies can do what they're doing but clearly their operation isn't that clean it feels like they're already working towards what middle ground should have been there right should have been they think they're doing the correct thing but also they may not be correct at all like right they're taking a risk yeah but yeah. but like it feels like they're correcting for that weird sort of shift you get having finished the first game and then going into the second game being presented with a cutscene where you're like it didn't fucking happen like that what <laughs> so i do like those aspects um the first episode i liked that it took longer with sarah yeah the daughter 100%. where you're, you're getting an understanding of the world that they're in um i loved the intro you get the conversation between the uh the two doctors on the tv show oh yeah the absolutely guy that you didn't realize was the was brother the, from the was mummy the brother from the mummy oh yeah i showed my wife that because i saw him and i was like jonathan yeah jonathan! <laughs> i was watching it at work and i was like dude it's the brother from the mummy and he's like what and then yeah i was like there's nobody fucking... from the mummy is in this and, and it's literally he, the first guy you see aged terribly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Old. yeah. He did. <laughs> that's how i turned it off i was a like, fuck this show <laughs> but uh so uh i like many people nowadays have a weird collection of knowledge that doesn't it's not useful in any regard unless it's on a podcast uh, they're talking about fungus right like they're talking about viruses and how dangerous they are and then and then jonathan from the mummy says he's not really afraid of viruses he's afraid of fungi though right because there's so little you can do against fungi he basically he gives this whole thing about uh cordyceps and how it operates and and if the environment changes just the right way it can start attaching itself to humans and then we're done yeah game over to any viewers out there who are very afraid of that it's actually not game over the most common kind of fungus it's found in every kind of soil it's also found probably on a lot of your guys's walls in your house. Yeah, mold is is a specific kind of fungus that actually eats other fungi, like other fungi. Mm -hmm. So the solution to an out of control cordyceps fungus would be just an, the introduction of another kind of fungus that one will does eat cordyceps, and two is also uh, very susceptible to off the shelf antifungal medication. I think the episode was fun for the simple fact of like. Uh, 
here's my thing about about why a lot of things don't hit. Yeah, like I've said this. Uh, what did we say last week? Um, was that Starship Troopers is more Halo than Halo is Halo. Yeah, because. When you get people around a room, and the, the example we used was, if I were to ask you to describe your significant other and your significant other in one word, and then you need to go ahead and describe each other's significant other, you can only do that from a perspective visually, observationally. Mm-hmm. But unless you have that experience, you can't really have an authentic thing. What Last of Us does extremely well is there are extreme keynotes in everything that made that game special to people, and they didn't fuck with that. Mm-hmm. They cha- changed and altered things that led up to that em- emotional buildup that were just enough to keep it different from the original video game and enough for you to appreciate more. So with Sarah, you don't get you walking through the house. You get it. Yeah. You have the neighbor and that she's a good kid. She's even stealing from her dad to fix the dad's watch. And she's like, eh, I took it. What you going to yeah. do about it? You know, but I got you the video. And I and it makes where I think you're both right. The uh, the first person view from that truck is so much more because you can freely see everything going yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. But, and you see the people banging on your car. Yeah, and everything. But when you get to spend more time with her, the craziness about her and the actress that played her when she dies the breathing there's people that have been doing video game to the episode comparisons and it's dead on she even got the breathing down dude she got the goddamn breathing down to where it's a very sad moment my wife has never played the games so when she was there and she's like what's what's it about i'm like get ready yeah and i was worried too because i was in that kind of state of like if i've played it why do i need to watch it but there is a large demographic of people. I mean, look at comic movies, mm-hmm. as I will always bring it back to that, I guess. But I mean, like the idea of that, there's people that will always be like, the Avengers was the best thing ever, but they'll never fucking read a goddamn Avengers book. Mm-hmm. And to hit that demographic, I think they really took a bunch of people for the first time, unlike Halo. Yeah. Unlike certain other uh, properties where they were like, hey, what made you like they would sit down with you and you like what really fucking made you cry? What made you love this? You speak so highly of this. So why do you have that respect? And I guarantee you they wrote it down and they said these things we cannot change. They changed enough that I don't know if they're going to do a season two because I think they're trying to learn from their mistakes. Like we said with anime yeah, of that one season may just be good enough to really like put yeah. together what you have. But I will say this, the way they handled the characters and the changes, the outcome, just like the game, a plus B one and B two will no no matter what you do always equal C mm-hmm. and the B one B two are not the emotional aspects but they are things that make you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. So the things that they chose in episode one to episode five now, they're doing a really good thing if we cannot change these absolutes. Yeah. But we have to be able to alter things. In episode one, when you see the little kid that comes through, mm-hmm. I I got <laughs> I got people who make fun of me for this, but I'm like, one of the clips for our podcast was, you know, when I see a kid uh, dying in a show, I know it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, because here's the thing. It's not that I appraise a child dying. It's just when you see somebody willing to take it that far of the reality of something, it sets in like, hey, dude, it's all or nothing. Yeah. That kid that walks through and the fucking guard, whoever they casted for her was perfect. Hey, you know, we're going to feed you. We're going to get you toys. And it's that thing of like, they kind of look at each other and then they have to fucking throw them in the flames. Mm -hmm. It's a sad reality. And of course, Joel's the one to be like, 
Oof. Yeah. It is what it is. You have is. to have the guy with the dead kid throw the kid in fire. Absolutely. And there's like, it's, it's all message. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it is what it is. You got to move on. There are definitely a couple of those moments in the show where it's just like, yep. <laughs> you know what this is. Come on. I think what I really appreciate about the, the show so far is, again, like I said, it does absolutely utilize the importance of keeping what mattered to us in the game and yeah. i think by and large what people really thought about that but it does like, like ellie and joel a lot of people pedro pascal dude he's a great actor and he a lot is. of people were like joel and then they saw her and they're all oh. the attitude that girl has mm-hmm. is fucking perfectly ellie <laughs> every recording well, she's one of the um so a like a big news thing that came out coming uh, like before the premiere of the show was the fact that all of the actors had been told don't two people did apparently Diego Luna had already played it right and so they told him don't play the game and his response was I won't do it again uh, <laughs> the the girl who plays Ellie I'm forgetting her name now she had mentioned she want she was told not to she wanted to she didn't she did look at videos yeah. of the game because that's not playing the game yeah. yeah so so she had a little bit more instruction i think on the the character than she was supposed to well here's the thing there's a thing that ellie does in the game a lot and mm-hmm. and from a design point of view there's this thing where she has a very teenage girl thing now as yeah. a guy with fucking 16 nieces i see a lot of these fucking little shits moving around but they do this thing with their goddamn hoodies like this they move their hands in a very hey, specific Brianna way does that. <laughs> dude, dude, uh, actually my wife's little sister lives with us and there were so many things that i was seeing ellie doing the show where i was like that's spot on for like a she's playing a 14 year old her sister's 15 right close enough so many things are spot on with this that i believe this as an actual kid Ellie's body language is very specific. So in one of the episode, uh, other episodes where it's like, uh, they're asked, telling her like, you got bit. Are you going to get sick? She's like, ah, 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 and, yeah. and they go, don't. Mm-hmm. And they're dead ass serious. And her face is like, fine. Like, fuck me. Right. That to me was like, I'm glad because here's the thing. Nobody wants to be influenced by something else, but like, you can't fuck this up, dude. Yeah. yeah. You can't. And it, I really do believe this cast absolutely like they mm-hmm. nailed it. Yeah. You know, the Nick Offerman thing, I think the re- the reason that they got him is what's more America than fucking Ron Swanson, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, not just that, there. but Nick Offerman, I, I have this book. He is a man who the Ron Swanson character was built around him. Right. It, the reason why Ron Swanson knows how to build a canoe is because Nick Offerman knows how to build a canoe. Right. That is like, it's, it's just a played up version of him. So I think the intentional, it was an intentional casting of the guy who you see on TV on occasion playing that kind of wilderness guy. You believe yeah. him as a prepper because, well, because Nick Offerman can do a lot of that stuff on his own. Yeah. I, I think uh, to, to cap off for like episode one, it gives you a reality check of what that world is like. And I think, um, again, legendarily, the, the Gustavo, the, the, um, Oh my God, the composer mm-hmm. of this, of the series, that soundtrack is beautiful. The transcribing of that is very much how it breathes. The, the color palette in that show, the absolute usage of muted tones. This is where I will nerd out a little bit, but like the, the everything that they did. Your HDR settings, mm-hmm. if you, uh, so we took a, we took a photo cause I was curious. I was talking to the boys about this. We took a photo shot from the game and we took one from the actual show and it's literally within the 99th percentile 
color graded exactly to the game. Mm-hmm. And of course, you would be like, oh, well, of course it would do that. But to get it to the exact specifications where everything in the game is linear, they have the place that you know, and oh my God, that's the exact room, the same drawings, the same this, the same mm-hmm. that. And the lighting is fucking on point. That is ridiculous. That is That shows you that you get enough people in a place that give a fuck about what they're producing. And it goes not only just to a great cast, but like a good like production mm-hmm. team. You yeah. Know? Episode two. What'd you think? The beginning of it. Uh, it go like, again, if you, without counting the game, you can kind of already see like Tess has already been through hell of shit and her being a woman and it would be in a girl. She's like, no, let me try to get you under this wing and try to toughen you up a little bit. I like that aspect of it. Cause as dudes, you don't really see women's side of things. And when you do, it's always been like a dude writing a woman thinking what a woman would do instead of having absolutely like yeah. a lady do it and be like, no, this is how we would do this. So I did like the the relationship between Tess and Ellie a little bit more because in the game, if you even if you try to take your time, you kind of go like that. So you don't get the little moments mm-hmm. right? where she's like, stick with me. We're going to get through this. I, I think what, uh, going back to the whole thing of like what happens to Tess and what happens with Ellie, you know, um, that is an extremely, again, what happens to Tess as a whole is an absolute. You have to emphasize why that means something if you cannot play it. And so no matter, like you said, no matter what you do, it's A to B. Mm-hmm. So getting that d- dynamic time to be like, hey, this is why it matters. And then for someone who she shouldn't give a fuck about, you know, immediately it's like, oof. That hurts more. The Sarah thing, oof, it hurts more because you actually have a real context for them and you're not in control. Mm-hmm. They're in control and all you can do is watch the shit show. When uh, when the show was coming out and they, they you know, they mentioned, oh, we, we made some changes. They're not going to be spores. I understood them not doing the spores thing that wouldn't work in real life. And they were like, all right, we got to do this, uh, this weird tendril cotton mouth thing. <laughs> I saw the scene with Tess uh dying i thought it looked a little bit weird but that episode also has my favorite uh depiction of a reasoning for that being the depiction of the cordyceps thing which is seeing the doctor's perspective because you get a little bit of what's happening in indonesia indonesia Indonesia, yes in indonesia um they they take the uh lady who's like a fungal expert from her lunch table uh and take her to some hospital where they're they're they've got a weird specimen of a cordyceps that has infected a human the the whole scene where she goes to check this woman out she cuts open the leg and there's like um there's cordyceps that are splaying out under the skin and she goes and she checks the mouth and she pulls out some of that fungus and the then and then as she's freaking out you start to see it start to curl out of the mouth that that whole scene just justified the change from spores to yeah. to that for me because it's like okay no that is way more terrifying absolutely yes. absolutely like, spores probably more deadly for sure it'd be harder to to you know contain but that moment before the scene changes in that moment i'm already thinking never mind this is the scariest way that this could be portrayed and then you get the second moment of the the general asking what do we do about it and she says bomb everything yeah bomb everything take me home so i can be my be with my family when we all die yeah like that's the way that we fix this <clears throat> was also a moment where it was like okay no this is 
this is just the better way to do it. This is the better way to do it. This yeah, not 100%. just that, but with the spores, you know, fucking someone just opened the door and like, ah, shit, now we're dead compared to something straight up using you like a host because mm-hmm. that thing is still alive. So as soon as it opens it up, it's just like, all right, let me try to get up in there. Let me get in this new host. That's also an interesting thing about cordyceps as a thing. And it, it's relatively recently did we figure out exactly how cordyceps works. So it in the at the beginning of the first episode when they're doing the whole thing, they talk about how like cordyceps, it'll enter your bloodstream. It'll take over your brain. That's actually not true mm-hmm. because it never touches your brain in checking out specimens of ants that had been colonized by cordyceps. And then also a weird genus of Japanese cicada, which has found a way to make like a parasitic relationship with them mm-hmm. where the cicadas live. They, they, they're missing uh, a key bacteria they need. Cordyceps provides them with it. And in turn, cordyceps takes a little bit of the food the the cicadas are eating. And seeing the way that these things are structured, it never actually takes over your brain. Instead, it takes over your central nervous system uh, and completely encases both your brain and your heart with fungus. The way that I'll link the, the article in the description, the way that the researcher described it is it's not that cordyceps gets in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. It just takes the wheel. So... What should be happening with these zombies is they're fully alive and capable of taking in all the information and capable of doing nothing about it. Right. You are just seeing everything. You are aware of the fact that your body is eating your neighbor. Yeah. And you can't do a goddamn thing about it. That would be fucking terrible. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. Scary as fuck. Also, weirdly makes me feel better for ants. That, That understanding definitely justifies what you see happen to um i think it's to the frank side of the couple in the game yeah where you just see him hanging there because he didn't want to turn into anything he got bit didn't want to turn into anything yeah knowing that that is what would happen a hundred percent i'm shooting myself immediately that's the thing that i liked about the show compared to the game when tess gets bit yeah she just gun yeah. All this time she was like, yeah, blaze of gore. Let's go, motherfucker. <laughs> and I like that. It was weird that the dude was French kissing yeah, it was her. A little, but... It was a little erotic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what that's when your mom yeah. just happens to be visiting. And then immediately she's like, nombre otra más with the anime. Yeah. Like, mom, like, no, no, mom, mom, it's, no. It's a zombie show. I swear to God, I'm not a monster fucker. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another with you. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, uh, that was like the big change that I like Tess and I will say the way uh, she goes out. Out of all three episodes, I think two was my favorite one. No, surprisingly, three was for me a hundred percent. Two, how'd you feel about it? Two, I liked it. Um, I did like how you kind of see more how Tess and Joel were getting along throughout the years because you know, like, oh yeah, we have statues all over the place, and she's like, why? And he's like, oh, you never know when I might need a sandwich later on. <laughs> so it like goes to show you, like, in those twenty years, Homeboy has been busy doing mm-hmm. shit. Uh, episode two for me, absolutely with the in <clears throat> the introduction of adding these experts mm-hmm. into it. It it makes the world much more tangible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like you said, them them going out in these stashes and stuff. It makes it more real. Where we were talking about it uh, earlier, uh, uh, his name is TQ. He's one of my apprentices. Yeah. 
uh, he loves the game and he loves the show. And we were talking about like, you know, the importance of why that is so detrimental to someone's health and mental health of like, what would you do in that situation? Because if he got infected or his like favorite thing in the world is his dog. Yeah. And I was like, it's an, I am legend situation. You know, that's fucking heartbreaking. But in that, in that stance, what do you do when you have no other options? And then the one thing you have in that world, which for Joel at this point was Tess, mm-hmm. you know, it's always, it's weird. There's a lot of implications even for them. You know, it's, it's yeah. never like nobody gets attached. That's the whole point of that stuff. It makes it so much more of an honorable death mm-hmm. the way that she goes out because, you know, she's a badass too. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely with the way it is. I did like the way they portrayed the fireflies because it does really push to home of why Joel is so hesitant about them. In the game, he's like, we don't trust them. But yeah. unless you collect everything, you don't really understand why. Yeah. And this, they're just a bunch of fucking just dickheads. They're just dickheads. Where yeah. they're, they don't even know what they're doing half the time. After Tess goes out, which leads into episode three, one of my favorite moments that, again, uh, I think this is the episode where Ellie really, uh, the actress, really showed she absolutely mm-hmm. understands the character. You know, where it's this whole thing of like, come on, and this and that, and then just the whole, uh, uh, don't do that. And yeah. she's just a kid. And in the third one, after Tess dies, like, they're quiet. Pascal doesn't want to say shit to her. And Joel basically just gets quiet. And she goes, you know what? I didn't kill her. Okay. This is just a job. It happened. But don't blame me yeah. for what happened. And it's this moment where he looks at it and he's like, fair. Yeah. You know, like I really appreciated that because it is in the game. I think they treat it of where it's like, oh, fuck. But it's just better left unsaid until they can build that relationship. Yeah. She's standing her ground and he has it to where it's like, okay. And I think that also goes down to what Tess was like. I'm going to talk to you like an adult. Her way of being like, all right, well, Tess, talk to me, adult. Let me talk to you, an adult as an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. So episode three. Uh, I I will start off with this one. Uh, so this one's uh, the one about Bill and Frank. That's the you get introduced to them in the second episode. They're they're brought up. Right. That's where they're going to be going. I forget who is Bill and who is Frank. One of them is a prepper. One of them is a regular guy. Bill was Nick Offerman and Frank was the, uh, the okay the guy that the, comes in the partner. Yeah. yeah. I thought this was an excellent episode of TV. Yes, I did think Absolutely. it was my least favorite episode of The Last of Us, though. It was purely a good because filler. because mm-hmm. well, yeah. Um, I like that we get more insight into their relationship than we actually. I like and I don't like. I like and I don't like that we get more insight into their relationship than we did in the game because in the game it, it really works because you were seeing everything through Joel's eyes, so you get to see what is a regular altercation between him and a guy that he regularly interacts with turn incredibly sour incredibly fast, whereas. In the, in the show, you don't get that. What you get is a very slow buildup to things getting really, really bad. So they're two different kinds of hurt. But I liked episode two because you really start to see the relationship between Joel and Ellie build. Right. And then that does get kind of sidelined in episode three. You you start off with it a little bit and then you get into the story of Bill and Frank and you hang out there for an hour. And then at the end of it, you've had a great experience seeing this relationship it makes you real sad and then you're back with joel and ellie and they haven't really moved anywhere yeah from that point so that's the reason why i would say that one was my least favorite of them i like although nick offerman was great yeah i liked it more for the fact that it's 
between all of the people eating people, people getting bombed, these two random dudes were like, I'm lonely, you're lonely, let's let's make this life happen. He literally catches another guy. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I, I don't know, I thought it was, the guy plays the song and the piano and he's like, oh, so who's the girl? And he's like, there's no girl, so you can... Already told he's like, oh yeah, this this dude doesn't like girls. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a ching. Yeah, he doesn't say like there's there's no girl. Yeah, he's he's like there's no girl. And so you're just like okay, it's not that his wife died, it's that he's gay. Got it? Yeah. And then he's like, no, there's an apocalypse. He's like, no, you're gay. I just haven't seen anybody in three months. You're gay. The other part that I liked was when it's like they have dinner and. After the embracing kiss, he's like, go take a shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, immediately, like he already knew he was that's when your smash. mom. That's when your mom re-walked in. She's like, no! <laughs> it's just followed up with the, I'm about a rocky roll, but I'm not a whore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not a slip, but I will slap on that nut. <laughs> but overall, I liked it. I get where you're both coming mm-hmm. from because Ellie and Joel don't move. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it good and okay with me about that is that it shows that in the world of who Joel really worked with, when you have that moment where they're having the lunch yeah, and it's like the husbands and the wives kind yeah. of moment mm-hmm. and he has the goes, get that gun out of my face. And he goes, no, you know, it's just, it's this thing of where you look at it and it's very, they had this life for 20 years before you get mm-hmm. to Ellie, before you get to what it is. And that in that time, there was a dude who absolutely trusts nobody. You remember when they're leaving and they're like, how'd you know this thing? How'd you know mm-hmm. that? Well, a long time ago, I made some bad decisions, you know, and such and such and such. In this case, you have a real world that exists. Again, when you're talking about Joel going out in all these places, the world is much more tactile. When you look at I Am Legend and it's in, in their situation, the world itself only exists in that city. Yeah. If anything, in that borough. You know what I mean? And so it it does make everything a lot more realistic in that way. But the catching the uh, when you see Nick Offerman going and like prepping. Yeah. And the, the, the funny thing of like what a crazy guy now is the one and he has this community and then, um, you know, he lives his life. He meets, uh, he meets this guy. He falls in love. And then it becomes like, you know, three years later, I need something. I need a project. I need this. I, I want to do the boutique, the boutique. And then I want to do this. He's a fine. We'll do it. And then it moves forward again. And, you know, you get that Easter egg of, oh, 80s music means danger. And you yeah. figure out, you know, why and what. And, um, even down to where the, when the Raiders come, you know, there's this fear of the one that isn't strong physically and the one that is strong mentally and physically, they have to help each other in that situation. And my, my wife and I were talking about this because like my birthday was two weeks ago and happy happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I never really had much of a birthday. You Mm -hmm. know, I've never really had much of anything and I've never cared for gifts. I buy whatever the fuck I want, whenever I want. Like I literally, what I collect, I own in this yeah. shop. You know what I mean? And my wife was like, you have such expensive taste. I go, <laughs> first and foremost, fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> Second of all, I buy what I want, bitch. Um, <laughs> but my wife also be my best friend. I tell her, you know, like, you know, that's what I love about 
Nick Offerman's character is what a lot of people don't realize is he doesn't want anything. Yeah. He appreciates effort. For those who have always had to work for, they realize what it takes to get something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then on the opposite end, his partner absolutely likes a little bit of the finer things, but teaches him to be a lot more passive as he is teaching them to be resilient. Yeah. There's a great balance. And in that story, what's the one thing he gives fucking uh, uh, Frank? Strawberries. And that was that part made me fucking happy when he like bites it. And then he does the the Nick Offerman fucking giggle. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, yeah, the fucking yeah. little giggle was just like, damn. 20, 20 years. Well, I mean, let's just say like, you know, 15 years at that point, 10 years. And, and the world's gone to shit. And it's something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Something as simple that you're sharing it with somebody. And if that's the only world you live in, as sad as it was, and it, and it wasn't the way that it happened in, in the game. Yeah. He really got to go out on his terms where in the game, he has no happiness. No. It's, it's miserable as fuck. And I do believe that as they're doing this, now that I'm up to episode five, they're isolating a lot of things because I, I, I probably am going to be wrong, but I don't think they're going to go for a season two because they're like, listen, this is the meat and potatoes part two. Not a lot of people liked. Yeah. So let's show you what made this great, but let's give what really mattered to you something else. So when they do pick up an episode four with, I know that yeah. that's not part of the conversation. When they lead on with it, that's where you do pick up from a starting point. And what I got from episode four was they sat there and they were like, who was here? Mm-hmm. And Joel kind of has this like people, friends. Yeah, That's all he can say. And I think about that a lot from my dad passing. My mom is currently in that situation and I haven't seen her for years. And now that she's back in my life, I hear these stories about people I've always known as like, who's that uh, person? Yeah. And now in her in her later years, there's these stories of like, oh, for years we go to clubs. My mother told me that she was smoking a joint in <laughs> downtown Salinas back in the 70s and that she showed her tits to a cop <laughs> to get out of a ticket. And I'm all, ah! You know, in my, in my head, I'm like, you watching anime in there? God damn it, mom. Uh, but I mean, like you hear this thing and it humanizes somebody. Yeah. And I think that episode three does this beautiful thing of that. We don't really know what people are going through. And because you know what you're going to get with Joel and Ellie, it adds more depth to how all that that they experienced with Tess and everybody was boiled down to a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, there's so much more weight behind that. At least that's what I get from it. I definitely think. Maybe one one of the reasons why it wasn't as solid an episode for me, of course, is I watched them as they were airing. Okay, and I feel like I'm I feel like someone who is maybe hasn't started watching it and and is just gonna wait for it to be done. Yeah, will probably appreciate that episode a little bit more and because exactly, there's a break. And that's exactly from, what I fucking did. Yeah, no, yeah, you're 100 percent right because I would have left that thing being like, well, what happens next? Week? I had to wait a week for them to not move, and yeah. then that's. Probably where some of that is coming from. Of course. Whereas, what do you mean they're not kissing in the next episode? <laughs> Whack. Whereas Sal <laughs> saw one, two, and three, and three probably was a better, a nicer break from what he had literally just seen, versus me who uh, waited. I will to tell see you the next thing. I will tell you both this with episode four and five. We were talking about it last night when we watched it. Mm-hmm. That the the style of writing four and five matched the energy of one and two. I will say this. They did throw in the scene in the next episode where she has the magazine Mm -hmm. and fucking verbatim, dude. 
whoa, look at that thing. And he's like, uh, how do you walk around with how that? How do you walk around? Oh, yeah. yeah. How do you even move? But even the, the, the way she does her voice clearly watch the fucking <laughs> games. And it's like, I appreciate that because there are going to be people who don't want to play the games, mm-hmm. but they're going to get the same experience that if you play the games and let's say she didn't or I didn't or whatever, we could sit at the same table and be like, God damn it. Wasn't that good? Yeah. You know what I mean? So overall, what would you give the show? I give it a nine to 9.5 so far. Yeah. But like the one more time, the horror show, I can't pronounce. I don't remember. Gigi, Gigi, Gigi. Yeah. Thank mm. you. Uh, I'd started off super strong. And then the further I went into it, it started kind of waving for me. Yeah. I do believe that this is the best version we've got of a video game adaption in a long time, not to put down anything else. Yeah. But I do think that this really hit the marks of what made Last of Us special. So a nine to nine point five is where I sit. I'd probably say it's a nine for me. Give episode one and two like an eight and three like a nine. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for the episode. Oh, well, thank you guys for having us again, man. Honestly, I think um, we were looking forward to this a lot because, again, we love to be part of the community as best as we can. And I know a lot of people say that. Yeah. But I don't mean that I'm like, oh, we're going to go raise money. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Fuck them kids. Uh, <laughs> we love it on a we love it on a level of where we see people who genuinely are just having a good time doing this. Yeah. And I think this episode and what you gave us to kind of talk about was right up our alley. dude. So thank you for having this. It was a lot of fun. Of course, man. Yeah. See you guys. All right.